Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu. And I think I might change the name of this show. I'm thinking about changing the name of this show. Probably going to change the name. You know what? It's Rugby Swag now. Welcome to Rugby Swag. Yeah, you guys just got that all within a moment. Intro. Old intro. I think the minute I stepped on a practice field for rugby, the calling happened. An eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro. Right. And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes, and they're like, what is this child on? It looks like it was a heavy hit. It's up. It's not up. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys, and I said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. That rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. He looked at me, and he says, you guys are awesome. And please don't forget to subscribe to the channel on YouTube at Gift Time Rugby. Please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you have. Definitely appreciate it. And of course, you can find us on social media. I just let out a burp on that one. On social media at Rugby Swag (laughs) or at Grow Rugby Show. It can go in either way, but at Rugby Swag. At Rugby Swag. I'm going to be changing all of this. Uh, and you just enjoy. And uh, uh, we appreciate the support. I appreciate the support. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest. Welcome to the show where we talk to people about the opportunities they have found, created, or taken advantage of via rugby. And, of course, uh, we're doing another one of just me. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed doing it the last time. And, uh, you know, I think it was fun. So, Keep doing it, and then, you know, when we have guests, we'll throw it on there as well, too. I think it makes for some great additional content. But today, uh, just really going to keep it simple. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about rugby entrepreneurship, but I kind of wanted to jump off because I don't know how many of y'all actually ended up seeing uh, Alex Goff, my guy Alex Goff. He made an article basically about almost what we talked about last week. Uh, what what USA Rugby needs to do. And uh, for him, his was obviously far more uh, game-centric. I think mine was much more business-centric, but his was more game-centric. And uh, hold on, let me see if I can find some of the highlights that went into it because I think his was a much harsher take than I think mine. It was called The Reckoning. Uh, it's, it's, it's not just the RWC thing and... Uh, you know, just a whole breakdown of where he felt like he needed to change from uh, governance to coaches, um, basically uh, uh, working the age grade system and kind of taking some of the spots that if if you never saw Tony Rendell's uh, tweet or Facebook post, really, that was basically about a conversation he had with Eddie Jones way back in 2016. Uh, before Eddie Jones got hired on to England, and I guess they were interested in having him come to the U.S. again, which, I mean, makes the rumors of such make more sense, again, of why would Eddie Jones come to the U.S. And then there was, like, a list of things that Eddie Jones said. I think, like, number one was, like, your coach needs to live in the U.S., and this kind of is a strike towards uh, people like John Mitchell, uh, who refused to live in the U.S. while coaching, and Mike Friday, who uh, lives in the U.S., I think, like, half the year and then goes back home the other half, um, and so you don't have that consistency across and how that impacts uh, the overall effect. And then there was a few other things uh, included, uh, and, and the ITTs, which honestly is a little bit before my specific time of playing rugby, uh, at least I think I came at the end of it. Oh nine was when I came at the end of it. They said it lasted till 2011, but I don't, I don't really remember it that well, but basically it was regionals and it, it's an interesting take, but I think the thing that was most telling was basically golf being like, yo, we just need a start afresh all over again. Uh, and, and try and 
do it over. He was talking about from each of the uh, coaches, from uh, Mike Friday, that even though the U.S. has placed well within the sevens tournaments, uh, in second place a handful of time, won uh, a handful of time. But when it came to the biggest games on stage, uh, the Rugby World Cup sevens came in sixth. Uh, Olympics, what was it, fifth and ninth, respectively. So it's been very underwhelming. And then he didn't hold off from the women's side, which is always funny because, you know, a lot of people complain to Goff about his takes on the women's side, uh, which it's not unfounded. I I think they can be – his his takes can be a little bit more male-centric. And that's why you have great people like Jackie Finland and – uh, scrum half connection and all those people uh, to create some balance. But, um, you know, Wendy Young, you know, shout out. But it, it, it's interesting because this was pretty unbiased in, in its take, uh, which was just like, yeah, wipe them all out. Um, Emily Bidwell, you know, it was nice that she was there and she was able to come in, but uh, she just does not have the expertise at the highest level. And she was more of a great player t- uh, very reminiscent to uh, what's his name from 2009 when it was uh, the USA men's coach under Matt Hawkins, where it was kind of like player coach being a really proficient player, but uh, being able to move over to that coaching side, just not the same. And then, of course, he talked about Rob Kane and kind of Rob Kane kind of underwhelming on the 15 side. And while uh, he is came in with a lot of hype uh, and a lot of uh, excitement. Uh, just the women's 15 side hadn't improved. And then there was Gary Gold, which I was a little surprised at this stat. I didn't realize that Gary Gold was the USA uh, rugby men's most winningest coach of all time uh, with a 19 and 15 record, which is interesting, right? Like, you know, you you know that you're not good, and obviously it's also included with the American Rugby Championships. And you know, I also forgot how long <laughs> Gary Gold has been uh, with uh, the men's national team. I thought it had only been a little bit before the um, the Rugby World Cup, but yeah, it was well, it was a little bit before. It's like 2017, 2016, 2017. He came in, and you know, we we had it good, and then it it didn't work. So. It was, it was just kind of interesting to kind of go through it again. We spoke a lot about this last week and uh, taking it from the player side, I, I, the, the playing side. There are some things I do agree with, thing, some things I don't. I don't fully agree with uh, completely wiping the slate um, because it's easier to say wipe the slate whenever you don't have anybody to replace them with. And at the administrative level, um, Definitely needs to be – I mean, they just did also a re-up on all their uh, administration this last couple years with creating new groupings and the community. So I think there's still time to do it. As far as from the CEO standpoint with, um, with Ross Young being in the position, I mean, again, we can talk about questionable things like the college, this college split that's happened, the amount of – uh, money influx and everything. I mean, look, it's it's an interesting article for me. Like I said, I, I don't agree with full total wipe down, but you definitely need another reset, especially now that you have more time into the Rugby World Cup. But really, it's more than just trying to get ready for the Rugby World Cup. It's actually trying to create a system, top to bottom, separate pieces again. But this is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about uh, rugby entrepreneurship because. I do believe that that is the area where you, we are actually subsequently lacking the most. Again, I, I actually legitimately – like one of the things that were said in, in Goff's article was the need to be able to fund uh, more, um, obviously, age-grade programs so that pay-for-play gets severely reduced down uh, outside of the most fringe players because I do believe – it's okay to make fringe players p- play, but if you have people that you know are elite or have the potential to be elite, you need to be able to bring them in unfettered. But it goes to the fact of not being able to bring in money. 
And part of that ability to bring in money is the constituency being able to create ecosystem around rugby. You know, this is I've, I've for me, this is one of my biggest highlights. So I, I can talk about this from personal experience because this has been the growth process for me, uh, even to this point. Hey everybody, this is just the Bray Train sending out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I needed help and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is an extroverted tour de force. But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Gift, yeah. where are we? We're in Vietnam! Mount Fuji, baby! Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, center! Yeah! Rugby is is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries! We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers, come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come! How do we make rugby entrepreneurship a real thing um, that's not just limited to, and I thought, said it last week, um, jerseys, tournament sales, and camps. Like these are the three that always end up popping up. But how do we expand it past that? So, you know, with, with the <laughs> Rugby World Cup coming to the U.S., there's been an uptick of investment in rugby here in the U.S., or at least in interest in putting stuff in there. Uh, for example, I was reading front office sports because for me, my intent has been to be one of the best, if not the best rugby marketer and uh, promoter in the world. You know, it, it starts small and it's been a process getting through this because it's been learning and failing and really doing everything at own cost because there's not really a mentorship program that we have here in the U.S. on how to create um, sporting culture in rugby and create ecosystem. I want to be someone who made their money from rugby, like whose livelihood is on rugby, but not in the, I mean, but the struggle is part of it, like it's still early staging of it. So, but not to be in that position where, you know, we're always in a constant flux. It's having a system, understanding how to utilize and compartmentalize and do that. I think um, uh, uh, Pruitt, the guy who made the original college rugby championships and initially licensed the uh, uh, Las Vegas Sevens before I moved to L.A. before his passing, uh, was one guy that was trying to pioneer that here in the U.S. And there's been other people to some extent, but I think he was the biggest one. But even for him, his his guidance was his money came from outside business, as many sports people do, and then was entering into rugby now and just starting to find its pathway within the la the most recent years prior uh, uh, leading up to his passing. But for me, it's I want that in this sport, which is ironically a popular enough sport, like 500 million worldwide, let's say one, one point something million here in the U.S., uh, 150,000 participating uh, with the rest of it being casuals or simply non-participatory fandom. Um, it, it's enough to be able to build something off. But our culture in rugby doesn't always necessarily help to breed a lot of it unless you're 
either super dedicated and willing to take losses like myself and many coaches or you absolutely are able to cash into the market share of apparel and apparel pretty much being within the element of team jerseys, team kits overall. And even in that, uh, it, it, it's kind of still it, – it's so saturated, but you have to be able to niche it. Now, I'll give some examples that actually work with it. But to the point that I was making is you, you have people outside the rugby uh, industry that are here in the U.S. and impact rugby around the world because they see the potential of what the rise is. But we're still worldwide a very small cap market. And and look, I'm I'm about to talk shop. Whether you, it's interesting or not to you, this is this is where we're gonna go with it a little bit because this is part of opportunities and and constants that we are uh, creating or trying to be able to find. So you have a company like Wasserman. Wasserman is a huge sports marketing agency. There's a huge agency in general, but work specifically for sports, basketball, football, uh, soccer, uh, uh, just the works. And earlier this year, like maybe about two months ago, they actually created, isn't it even up to two months? Yeah, yeah. like two, three months ago, they created a division for rugby talent. Um, the same thing had happened with Rock Nation. If you know Rock Nation, uh, you know Jay Z. Jay Z, hip hop artist, business op- uh, uh, businessman, entrepreneur, husband to Beyonce. Um, Rock Nation has their rugby talent division, um, and then there's a few smaller companies. Uh, not some of the bigger ones. CAA doesn't do it. Um, I don't know. That's a lie. CAA just started doing theirs as well too. A lot of this came within the last year especially leading into the announcement of the Rugby World Cup 2031. So there is something that's there to uh, uh, take in, and, and it speaks a lot to players uh, being able to utilize these moments. And there's been other agents. I know people like Anaya Tapper and Carla Niles, Perry Baker. All these players typically have some agent that does a little bit for them, does a bit for them, not not as much as you like because they're not rugby people. They're Agents in that have connections in other elements, but happen to have rugby people on, and then work to the best that they can, which is great. That's that should happen. You want to be able to tap into other sources, but the key is how do you be able to grow within this rugby base and be able to be self-sustaining and create the systems? And it is a force. It is a legitimate force of nature to be able to pull this off. But for me, my goal has always been trying to f- – well, actually, it was trying to figure out how to get into the space and get into the space and find where I wanted to be. Um, but it ultimately has led to me wanting to be one of the biggest rugby marketers and promoters in the world and definitely one of the biggest in – if not the biggest in the U.S. And I become obsessed. I am obsessed with uh, uh, the, the process and obsessed with the marketing um, even if I'm exhausted by it. But we want to be able to create that element and that frontier. So you have guys like, you know, I have my boy Ryan Ginty, who does Next Level Rugby, who started just with a camera and a stand and trying to teach people how to uh, actually film their rugby games and film it well. Um, which I, I know a lot of people did not pay attention to because there's still a lot of cell phone footage being used, but you use the best that you can, um, to now being one of the leading uh, broadcasters in the nation for rugby. Um, v for other stuff, but he's the one. National College Rugby goes to him. If you've seen their championship matches, it's next level rugby. Um, you see this with USA National, USA Club National Championships, College National Championships. A lot of it is next level rugby. Uh, last year with um, last year with the Rugby Network and MLR, you see it there. But it's been a process. And here's the kicker: it's it, it's still a a a, a money um, gouging process to get to it because there's still not the great monetization that's occurring because, again, the culture of rugby entrepreneurship is not fully built in. You know, last, uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked to Theo Bennett, uh, who is a coach for, you know, former, I call him a world coach. He is definitely a world rugby coach. 
there. He's done it for uh, the uh, women's teams in uh, the uh, 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 the, the, the women's uh, premier club league. Uh, the, I want to say NSWL, <laughs> but uh, um, in in the 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 women's side with Nyack and old uh, old blue and uh, San Diego done it for Brazil for their national team for the Olympics done it for U.S. done it for New Zealand everywhere, but he is both an author and also is a um, the founder for of uh, rugby. Rugby Incorporated, Rugby Inc., uh, who does jerseys, and that's his a lot of his bread and butter right there. Uh, remember talking to Naya, and Naya, you guys have seen her more and more on social media, promoting and posting, and and pushing out more uh, uh, products through her brand, which adds to that uh, concept of creating a, a little bit of a blueprint. Um, Leona Mar, we've now started working her way uh, through her social media, is now with World Rugby, which, you know, who now owns Rugby Pass, so creating their own shows, adding to the rugby entrepreneurship guys. Um, I can continue going on, but, you know, uh, you know, and we can show, but even within those elements, these are very few in, in between. There's not a slew of rugby broadcasters that exist out there. There's not a slew of of rugby influencers that exist under the term of rugby by itself uh, because it is a teaching process and it is literally breaking a market into it. But it's also the culture of rugby here in the U.S. And, and, and I will say even overseas, but I think overseas England has a much easier time because it's much more natural to their culture, so they have far more variation of it. Um, but... It's trying to find a way to cultivate the ability to utilize the sport of rugby and piece out branches to create other industries that support the support the sport and the culture and and then uh, continue on from there. So talking about my journey, uh, if you look at my YouTube page, you can see basically like the process of how the mind has been going in trying to find it. It, it started as simply just, actually for me, it started as just writing initially and then moved to doing videos. Um, and then it moved to live audio uh, and then mixing live audio with video. Mind you, not, not live streaming video with audio. It was live streaming audio and then filming over the top and then combining and posting them into each other uh, later on for more to then move to live streaming and then move to more programmatic concepts. And then now it's gone over and then moved into the podcast and, and everything. But the spacing has constantly changed because it's always trying to find what is it that you are trying to make the most. Uh, I, I've always loved the process of watching rugby photographers um, you know, I have like my guy, uh, Steve Gilroy, uh, you have the great, uh, Norma Salinas, who was a photographer, another one that's the other entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, effort. But again, it's what is the culture. And even in that was <laughs> the toughness of selling those photos. You know, you have a lot of people who wanted photos and, and, and we're all guilty of it. We, we love the photos, but we'd even take the watermarked photo over having to buy for you know 20 bucks which again understandable when you don't have any money but it doesn't make sense because of the fact that there's not that ecosystem that's getting created that transaction and commerce and build so being able to find what it is that you want to do it always comes back to how do you find these leads you got another guy mick um uh mcfeely my guy McFeely up in Colorado with Citizens Rugby trying to do his thing with uh, sponsors and developing better uh, entrepreneurial efforts in rugby itself. Again, spot areas, spot areas. It makes it sound like I'm actually contradicting myself. It's like, no, there is a ton of rugby entrepreneurialism that's happening, but I'm literally talking about the people who are actually probably doing it the most and – if you can do say that in two hands, 
it, it, it speaks volumes. And then, of course, like I said, it's jersey sales. Jersey, 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 jersey sales. So you say like, oh, no, what about another sport? Well, I mean, you have that in, in another sport because you could say there's a popularity to them. Like if you look at NFL from the analysts to uh, uh, data analysts to uh, uh, obviously your your apparels, which can be apparel, the jerseys, apparel, casual, apparel, shoes, apparel, jeans, apparel, um, hats, apparel, uh, um, seats, cushion seats, uh, uh, going to as far as uh, training, uh, individual training, individual effort, um, moving to uh, broadcasting, commentators, uh, videographers, bloggers, journalists, which can be one and the same. And we do have a little bit of those, but again, not to the extent that people really realize. Like, we, we've seen a little bit of rise. Obviously, you had uh, the rugby mag that ended up going away at once um, Pruitt passed and obviously broken into Jackie Finland and uh, uh, Pat up in Kansas and Goff himself. So that was its thing for a little bit. But, again, it's, it's what do you do after that? Like, how much effort? And I think a lot of the things that we need to do to be able to develop that is being able to grow – what we do on outside the pitch, much, much stronger, much, much more um, applicable to development and engagement and holding people past the moment where they can play or even worse or even better, holding people to a time period where uh, you can actually, you know, you don't have to play to be able to be a participant. Hey, we got some great stuff coming up, and I don't want you guys to miss out. Straight off the bat, HBCU Rugby Classic tickets are going up for sale starting on Black Friday. It is going to be the cheapest they'll ever be. Uh, It is great seats. We're talking about VIP, talking about our general seats. HBCU Rugby Classic happening on March 31st through April 2nd in Washington, D.C. at Howard University. It's going to be the first time on Howard campus. And why should you go to it? We are going to be the most dynamic entertaining rugby tournament that you have ever seen. It's not even a tournament. We're a showcase. We're here to be able to show culture, HBCUs, and the mixture into rugby culture. It is something to be seen from step shows, a great rugby performances, and musical performances as well. So much that will be happening, and you don't want to miss out on it at all. Definitely go to HBCURugbyClassic.com. Go check our ticketing, and it will take you directly to our event and definitely grab in. Tickets will only stay at this Black Friday price until Christmas. So I'm giving it a full month until Christmas. And then from there, we're going up. But I'm telling you, the value is going to be worth it right now. So don't miss out on one second of it. HBCURugbyClassic.com 2023 HBC Rugby Classic Check out Howard University Being there first Check out the rivalry of Prairie View A&M and Morehouse Get to see some international The youth, it's going to be amazing You don't want to miss a second of it So What is it that we do to continue To make that actually happen Well, I mean look, it, it does start from First and foremost place How is it that we receive our money where do we get our, our first interest? And I, I said it last time, it makes sense to get support to start. We need to think of our individual rugby elements, whether it's a club, whether it's us as a player, whether it's our businesses, as individual startups. Individual startups. What does it take to be able to make the startup run properly? What is it that we need? As, as a player, let's start from that perspective. What do you need to do to make your situation commercially viable is what you do on the field, of course, one of the number one most prioritized things. Uh, it's definitely on the top priorities. I don't think it's number one, but it's one of the top priorities. What, as a player, you need to be able to at least be on the field. Can you be visible? 
I look at guys like Corey Jones, who's just been everywhere, especially this year, winning championships or or uh, in championships over four different levels of of uh, rugby. He's out. He's out there. But then what 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 happens next? It's it's how are you gathering? Then the next is is how are you communicating? I remember reading somewhere where they said that the highest earning people are communicators. Um, it's not just you have your grinders that are at the bottom of the totem pole, unfortunately. The people who do the most labor, uh, laborious things, are usually not the most um, economically viable. Uh, not to say hard work doesn't count, it's just the most laborious. So you got to see efficiency effect. And at the highest is the communicators. How are you communicating your, your element? And we see this in different aspects. So uh, one way I always appreciate, again, we'll, we'll go back to people that we know, uh, is, is looking at a person like uh, a Sam Loves Rugby. Sam Loves Rugby is an account. She does a bunch of entertainment parody stuff, particularly focused on women's rugby, um, almost exclusively fo- focused on the women's rugby perspective. But Hilarious broke out from the uh, pandemic and found herself with um, a rugby company uh, that basically, I think they're based out in New Zealand or England. Uh, I almost want to say BT Sports, but it's not BT. It's ball rugby, uh, ball on rugby. And what they do is basically monetize and then they sell it off for kind of hard products uh, as well. But she was able to develop that, and and in that, it was speaking to the voice. What is the voice of the player? What is the voice of the person? And you you need to be able to have that way of being able to communicate that out to people. That's what attracts people in. Uh, Another person who did that really well and has found himself in a niche where he is able to at least be self-sustaining, and self-sustaining in Wales um, is Squid Rugby. Uh, we actually interviewed him uh, last year. We, me, me, I interviewed him last year. <laughs> uh, and for him was a factor of finding the Patreon, um, is being able to create content that is informational and obviously entertaining as well. But again, he communicates, he deciphers, he breaks down uh, for other people what's going on in rugby. So as a player, you ask, well, how is it that you can be the communicator? Well, uh, it's taking a leap from things like Draymond Green, which is, yo, you need to have things like the podcast. You need to talk about your game. What happened in your game? Tell us about what's going on. I think uh, if I was Corey Jones, and, and Corey, that's my guy, uh, uh, since Arkansas days, great player, great person, one of the smartest guys you'll meet. But I would have said, hey, man, you need to go and, and do your podcast because you just went through a, th- a huge line of effort, of, of championships and gameplay. And outside of what people talk to you about and outside of what, um, you know, is talked about in, I say, private pr- public conversation, but in closed conversations within public forums, there's not really much known. Like, you talked to Lance, which was great. That's one platform. But what about from you, speaking from you, like telling your thoughts, your feelings, your aspects on it? Uh, That provides an element that people won't know. Uh, I had a friend one time, Eddie Evans, actually, uh, former Canada prop, a Canada national team prop, played against Joe Mulomu uh, in the 95 uh, Rugby World Cup. Always talks about that. but he, I remember one time whenever we were going to a pre- – I was go- trying to figure out whether I wanted to go to a press conference for the Rugby World Cup. And I was like, I don't know if I want to go because, to be honest with you, these things are kind of boring. They, there's nothing really said because everybody talks and coach speak and players speak and basically moving – saying a lot of words and nothing really actually coming out. But he gave me some great advice, gave me some great perspective, uh, which was, look, you're entering into an opportunity that many people will not have a chance to. So it's not about whether or not you enjoy the press conference or not, but it's about how you're able to project the experience of it and allow people to be able to enter into that room without having to actually enter into that room. 
And that's the same that it is with the player. Now, I'm just using Corey Jones as an example. doesn't matter. Any of the players, any player, especially if you're trying to play at the highest level at camps or anything, you should be talking about your experiences regularly. Like, open that thing up because it makes you, one, more personable, and two, it makes it easier to see how engaging you can be for people to want to partner with you, for brands to want to add into you, uh, for 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 you to even get more visibility from other teams and see how your character matches to their culture. But it, it's those little tidbits of, of elements that create the element of entrepreneurship. Now, the other half of it is having an audience that's willing to buy into what you have to, to offer. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a whole different game with just people viewing it, but now you have people needing to engage. And that is hard. It's hard to get people to engage, especially in rugby, because so much of our stuff, especially in the U.S., is either uh, it's very specific where we invest or we've invested so much in things that directly impact our play that there's not much interest in things that are outside that play. I'll namely talk in movies and stuff like uh, uh, the movie um, uh, that was based on 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 the team in Philly uh, with. Uh, Tika Sumter, um, like, I don't know how many people actually went and watched that movie, which I'm, I'm going to give a review on that movie, uh, probably one of these podcasts later. But, again, it's, it's does it move the needle? Uh, even from a watch time, you know, what is it that we have that, as an audience, that we're willing to buy? We got Adam Hughes, who put the book out, uh, This Is Rugby, um, I don't remember the full name titles, the American rugby story, basically. Um, but again, a guy who is putting out a valuable content and being able to push out information in his history, how many people get a chance to pick up that if you have the opportunity? And again, I think it comes a little bit of a, of a commerce fatigue because there's so much investment in our own um, on-field opportunities it makes it hard to be say hey let me go ahead and go purchase this stuff on the side but it is a necessity it is the necessity needed to take it over the top with other stuff if you can't play you know you got to consume consume either in watching or consume either in product and make it something that these brands also understand another component that goes for entrepreneurship is now then the behind the scenes um, I, I it always comes to coaches and coaches. I, I, again, some of this is an entrepreneurial. Sometimes this is just employment. Coaches should be employees of the team. The team in and of itself is what creates the area that creates the money that allows the respective people to get paid. And, you know, obviously we, I think we associate so much with the idea that payment either is a dirty word for rugby or because it, it takes away from the camaraderie, which is, again, the most mentally washed concept. And I, a great documentary to watch on about this and why things are like that is the documentary um, uh, A Rugby Story. I think you can find it on Amazon. Probably one of the best documentaries and most explanatory ones about the history of rugby and more so the, the psychology of rugby that goes into it, uh, the psychology of rugby that that exists, but understanding that payment is not a dirty word, nor should it be limited to just professional sides. Obviously, I think we have paid coaches in the collegiate levels, but again, creating stability. But how are they able to do it? Now, a lot of people say, you know, go through the athletic program and stuff like that. I'm not a giant believer in it. I've I've been told enough to. Be accepting, but I not being sold. But it's what do you create from that team to impact and create interest to others? This is where my journey as a rugby promoter and a marketer has come into it, you know, um, and also being able to know the place. I know for me, bringing people to something like the HBC Rugby Classic as players is challenging but not that difficult because there is an incentive in the idea and the cultural element of it bringing spectators to it 
It's a totally different game. It's a totally different game right there. And that's one of the things that you have to have that lifeblood. It's how are you engaging to people who are either one, not, or they're, they're rugby people, but the rugby people to a specific community of rugby. Two, they're non-rugby people, but they're sports people, so there could be a shared interest. Or three, they're not rugby people, but they could be transitioned over. And what is it that you can do to create a casual element for them to attach to? And honestly, that casual bit, the the rugby, the non-rugby fan who's a sports fan and the non-rugby fan who's just wants fun or something to do, those are the ones that we actually have to use the most. We, that's where most of the money comes in. So it's being able to bring that element through. So uh, from the outside perspective is what are those components? Y'all, Black Friday is coming up. The holidays are coming up. And this is the perfect time to be able to get your family, your loved ones, your friends, your rugby stuff. Not just another rugby team because they might not even care about that team. You can't maybe not everybody's here rocking for the All Blacks or rocking for Ireland or or just has a USA rugby jersey that they want to drop on. But you definitely can never go wrong with a casual rugby wear. Check it out at RugbyOutletMall.com. Uh, get the stuff that represents to the things that they already know like our, our rugby life shirt representing the youtube culture of course get our rugby paypal shirt that is just a beautiful blue that goes along with it um you guys can get our hbcu rugby classic shirts if you want to represent for new and upcoming culture but more importantly guys because you're listening to this podcast right here I definitely want to make sure that you have something to go along with it to provide. So for any first-time users, definitely use the code GROWRUGBY for 20% off. That is GROWRUGBY, G-R-E-A-U-X, rugby. That's two words, G-R-E-A-U-X, rugby. And you guys will get 20% off of any Icono rugby shirts, any HBCU rugby shirts, and, and just be able to fully embrace the merch. It's winter time. Suit up. Get representing for your rugby anytime, anywhere, any place. It's going to be worth it, man. My guy, Cassettes Cheering Genji, has a company called ASTAT. Um, and they do data-driven. They, they do follow data for, for, for sports, but focus has been very much within rugby. Stats create interest because they create stakes. Now, we have to say, what are the stakes that are at? It can be gambling. It can be bar fodder. It can be conversation, which I guess is the same as bar fodder. Um, But it creates something that people can attach themselves to. So there creates an element of need for it. But it's, it's it's not the cheapest thing in the world. But can it make what you do better can it make it more interesting for your constituents your your community to be able to follow what you do of course of course i remember whenever i was doing blogging initially uh one of the hardest things to do was trying to find some accurate stats to create comparative uh analysis on people uh because one you can't watch every game two not every game was watchable because you can't see it because either it wasn't being recorded or the recording was terrible or it just you you don't have numbers so you don't have names to go to the jerseys and the bodies that are there unless you absolutely know them and you know again you don't know them all but you have something like ASTAT and boom now you at least have some direct data-driven information. You can make comparative arguments. Now you can have the conversation of who's the best over here, who are the best combinations to put together. Uh, 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 can this athlete from this sport work here versus this athlete rugby go over here? Like there's conversation, and that creates the element of commerce. It, it is a marketing ploy. It creates the entrepreneurship. So. You want to have these factors in here, but again, you have to create the culture that allows it to be able to grow, and that's what also grows it from there. Uh, I remember whenever fantasy football came out uh, digitally back in 2001, 
Like, really, I think it popped. It was Yahoo Sports really took it over the top, and then ESPN and Fox and everybody else came in maybe about like two, three years after that. But Yahoo Sports, I hopefully believe, was the leader in the digital element of fantasy sports. With fantasy sports, I believe I saw a stat somewhere that it increased viewership, uh, at least of the NFL, by at least 70%. um, Because of the fact that now people had stakes in the game. Now, we do have fantasy rugby and everything like that. But my, my point that I'm saying on this is adding elements that create that are not necessarily of the sport uh, but they are in relation to the sport um, can add engagement more rugby artists now I, I, I again I spoke about this last week and I said we need to be able to support our storytellers our filmmakers etc like that um, do you guys ever wonder why you we had so many sports movies? And as cliche, as cliche as they are, uh, there's a reason. You start them young. I, I mentioned the Little Giants, you know, um, the Remember the Titans, Rudy, um, you know, uh, we got our basketball movies, The Sixth Man, Space Jam, um, you know, uh, Hoosiers. You know, you have these hockey ones, the Mighty Ducks, uh, uh, Glory. Is it Glory? Uh, The one with against Russia. Like all these sports have a marketing element of filmmaking uh, because of the fact that it starts you down the path early. I remember when I watched the Mighty Ducks, and for the longest time, I wanted to be a hockey player. Up until I realized that they don't play music while you play. Because I was living in Iowa. We got to see college games. It was kind of cool. But, like, the Mighty Ducks just made it seem so big and so amazing. The junior nationals and all that. And just being able to be, like, a big time, you know, kind of rowdy hockey player. Uh, but you know, I, I, again, it lost for me once I knew that you can't get like hype music while playing, which would have added so much more. It's just, it gets too quiet. Like, I just don't want to hear hockey players. Like you want more, but you want it to be more cinematic, but it was something that was dope. It created the seed. I know space jam. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I was not a basketball person prior to space jam. Still not really a basketball person, but I finally knew who Michael Jordan was at that point in time. I didn't know that much about the first three championships. Again, I was nine years old whenever the movie came out, and my parents weren't sports people, so naturally I don't attach into it. Um, And honestly, I I kind of was a little bitter of sports because they would be the thing that would start kicking in after Saturday morning uh, shows and cartoons would uh, come to the end and you'd, or, or even more so like on Sundays uh, it was either, it's why I don't like, I don't think I like NASCAR to this day is because it ended up cutting me off. Uh, some days it would cut off the Simpsons or it would take away your whole afternoon slate because you're just doing NASCAR for four hours. Um, baseball playoffs infected me because of that. Anyways, anyways, anyways that's, that's beside the point. My point that I'm making is that what we watched when we were younger created seeds of nostalgia for us as we got older. And it made it easier for us to want to go follow people and recognize and be interacted with them more and more. The same thing happens and needs to continue happening with rugby. I think, you know, we need to continue promoting our rugby stories more. I mean, we always talk about Invictus and how big Invictus was and how great Invictus is and yada, 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 yada. And Invictus is a great movie. It's a, it's a very, very good movie about apartheid South Africa that happened to utilize rugby with it. But Invictus was also in 2009. And um, since then, I don't think that we've done a great job in supporting those. Um, I think there's some really good documentaries. I, I mean, I'm biased. You know, Singapore to Tokyo, plug. Definitely go see that great documentary. I talked about a rugby story already. I, I, I always... Um, uh, uh, what is it, the scrum, toughest scrum or something like that. But even you have your scripted ones like Forever Strong and and um, 
like I said, the one with Tika Sumter talking about the nomads, the nomads. That's what it's called, uh, nomads. Um, and, and you know, one, well, <laughs> they're not always great. One of my favorites is um, uh, uh, the Tagalog uh, one called uh, Sai, uh, which is not rugby. It's it's rugby, but it's rugby in the eyes of somebody who's never played rugby. But it still counts. It still counts. Like these are movies that can create the seeds and and create those superhero elements. I even remember, you know, you'd see your players in all these shows and everything like that because it creates those seeds. We need to do more of that still in rugby and and need to be able to do it. Now we have YouTube and um, obviously the social media platforms to continue to rise on that and and do that. We got guys like Akinola Raymond who does wild comedy for his stuff but every once in a while he'll throw in some rugby stuff inside there something to watch um you know and and like i said i mentioned uh uh sam loves rugby and and some of these other cats that just like they create a story time to to the rugby i i think uh Great American Rugby with uh, with Lance Cavanaugh. He does his stuff on TikTok as well, too. But it's those stories. We need to support those. And if they're putting out content, yo, try and find a way to be able to purchase them in. Because while the first one might not be that great, what you've done to be able to set up for the next one helps improve things way, 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 way more. But this is part of that rugby entrepreneurship building outside of just what – the sport has to offer on the field. Um, and then that goes into it. agents and, and other promoters and uh, uh, even from medical sides, more doctors that create that work with rugby, more uh, uh, masseuses, more physical therapists uh, that can do it. I, I, I want to then, of course, I want the, the rugby bruise. And I think we've seen that before the rugby bruise. And then the non-alcoholic ones, um, you know, like more of those people that can create that focus where it feels like you're living in a rugby world. That That's the end game. It's to live in a rugby world. That's whenever you created a rugby ecosystem. But it's hard to be able to grow rugby whenever you don't have the rest of that element. Uh, whatever it is that you do on the field, again, works for diehards. It works for those who are already participating but it doesn't attract more people and it's ironic again rugby is a sport that has 500 million viewers all right 500 million viewers worldwide uh and we're not able to maximize it and then here in the u.s which is the marketing and entertainment capital of the world is not able to utilize it more. That's that's the parts where the sleeping giant concept needed to be woken up. Players are going to come and go. You can't. Players literally are the important element, but they're finite. Unfortunately, they're finite because they they age out at some point. Like we're we're facing that right now with with uh, our U.S. men's national team, and you know, and and to some extent, we're going to feel that sooner than later. With the women's national team, um, you 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 if you're going to use them, you got to use them quick and hard. But you've got to make sure that you have the pillars of everything else around it there, and and put the people in power. Like I always say, it's kind of wild that lacrosse keeps getting so much viewership, but it's because the people that were in positions of power at ESPN were able to. Uh, take advantage and put lacrosse on and forever have been able to continue to do it and pay lacrosse in all its formats to keep being on all the time. It's interesting. But yeah, I, to, to speak into that factor, that's, that's where you go into those pillars. And, and, and like I said, for me and even on my journey, it has been one that you have to constantly figure out where your place is. And that's the other – I think that's the last part I want to be able to leave us with is understanding where to find your place. Um, i use a perfect example for me. Like I said, my goal is to be the best or best-known rugby marketer and promoter in the world and, and 100% within the U.S. Um, 
I, you know, over, over the pandemic for literally about a year, probably the busiest year, uh, the busiest year of my life where it was trying to get married and then traveling all over the place. I was with NCR for, uh, that, that time bit, um, to be the, the, uh, development coordinator. And initially, whenever I took on the position, I really did think it was something that was going to be good for me and that I would be able to work and be able to build. But as I got into it, where it was just to try and recruit and find teams, I found like this isn't exactly what my niche is. Like, I'm not, I'm not super interested in trying to find a team and then develop it within that, like, or, or create it. I want to be able to help you be able to develop, of course, but I need you to have already done the work on putting the initial pieces. Let me help you be able to build that. Let's help you bring more attention. Let's create more of an element where you can create sustainability. But where you decide to go and play at a conference or or what team or division or whatever, I I, I simply just do not care. I don't care enough. I, in this element, there's not a big enough return for anybody to make it that interesting for me to be like, I need to sell you on this place. No, I want to sell you on your, your self-sustainability. Then after that, you can do whatever the hell it is that you want to go do. But I, as a recruiter, it didn't, it didn't vibe with me. It just it didn't end up working and then ended up stepping down from that position. NCR guys, great guys. Great guys. I, I have no, no issues. But I just it wasn't the position that was built for me. And especially when you had somebody uh, on the other side who was just so elated about about it, so elated about doing that work. I was like, if I can't match that energy, I do not need to be on this position. It, it is not the position that's set for me um, because I, I can't obsess on it. But for me, when it comes to the marketing and the, the, the promoting, the building, you know, whether it's building the, the media platform, building an event, you know, building a persona. Oh, I love this. You know, now I'm in this position of working the monetization and really being humble on it. It's, it's a weak part for me, but it is a part that I genuinely am intrigued by because I love being able to talk to people. I love being able to have the, the conversations and the negotiations because that element is needed. It's needed and it's interesting. And of course, it, it's very universal, but it, it creates an element of, of control on the destiny. But it's because I know what I wanted to do. I would not, have, I would not suggest everybody goes into uh, you know, sales because it can be extremely exhausting. Like the amount of having to follow up that you have to do. Like after this, I got to go do a bunch of follow-ups. Uh, the amount of follow-ups and emails and conversations that you need to have and making sure that you're creating a value and an interest, make sure your story is good, not just a story about what your company does, but literally a story that people can grow and attach to, um, it, it can become a lot. And then, of course, you have to consistently put stuff out where you need to make sure that you are able to show your credibility and be able to do these things that prove the fact and also uh, uh, enhance the fact that what you believe is something that should be believed in. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And not everybody is built for it. Everybody has their part, but you got to find where your part is. And we got to make sure that we're cultivating people to find their part in this whole process. Sometimes it's on the field. Sometimes it's off the field. Sometimes it's independent. Sometimes it's in connection with another company. It's just... Being able to find that marker and build that ecosystem over and over and over and over where it now becomes a sustainable element and celebrate people who are in these elements um, as well. And, you know, obviously there's always going to be conflict and, you know, internal conflicts. You know, sometimes people are going to cross paths. I know there's people who uh, I've had in rugby that I I won't say I'm not that I'm, I'm, I'm bitter against. But I probably would never work with them on a professional setting again. I just I don't have the trust. The flip side, I know there's people who feel the same way about me because we've all made mistakes or had conflicting ideas or or the executions did not work into the way that either of our minds imagined. But it doesn't take away from the fact that you still got to find and cultivate those areas and celebrate the people, tr- celebrate the moments where it's working. And you need to 
make sure that you're not so attached to a singular idea. And the community has to cultivate that. I genuinely believe, genuinely believe that rugby has the opportunity to be not only, and I said, I've, I've believed this since 2014, 2013, well, yeah, 2013, 2014, when I really first started doing this, maybe a little bit before 2012. But rugby has a chance to be the innovative sport for a digital world. We're more and more into every single day. Uh, it, it is a sport that has that needed to have less gatekeepers, and now you have the opportunity to be less gatekept. But you need to be able to take advantage of it, and it also means doing a lot more of the manual work up front. But if you cultivate that into the culture and not make it so much a central component of the characteristic that it becomes Wall Street-esque where all it is is money, money, money. But again, it's about creating sustenance and sustenance and sustainability and, and forward movement. I think you'll see a completely different ideology that occurs with rugby over the next five years whenever you feel like people are able to uh, settle themselves into sport and concentrate and not have to just worry to be at the mid-professional, professional levels and, and struggling to get by. But guys, yo, I thank you so much for taking the time to listen, taking the time to be on here with me. Enjoy uh, uh, the name switch that we have, which is now going to be Rugby Swag, formerly known as Grow Rugby Show. This is the show will be turning to Rugby Swag. You'll see it on everything, but uh, I really do appreciate you guys taking the time uh, and and I hope that you guys were able to get some value. I hope I was able to give something interesting. And But most importantly, uh, I, I want you to know that I hope that you are happy. I hope that you are healthy. And I hope that you know that you are truly, truly highly favored. Check out some of our other episodes. Please don't forget to subscribe and add into it. And I will see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>